This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. All right, so let's move to a conversation with a really interesting entrepreneur. Talk a little bit about fundraising, talk a little bit about farming. These are issues that we talk about a lot. I can't say that if you told me a couple years ago we'd be talking a ton about farming and agriculture, I would have believed you, and yet we do, right? and we should in a lot of ways. Dan Miller Correct. is here with us. He's a co-founder of Fundrise, also the chief executive officer of Steward. So much to talk about. He's based out in Portland, Oregon, but here with us in New York City. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me in. Welcome. All right, so take us all the way back because this is an idea that I would not imagine would occur to a kid who grew up in DC. This isn't sort of like getting back to the land for you, but you have a connection. I have some agricultural roots. Like yeah. most people, go two, three generations back and farming is there. So my mother's family grew up, uh, she grew up in Preston, Maryland, in the Chesapeake Bay. They were farmers since late 1800s when they arrived in the US. So I grew up in DC, but she was the first generation off the farm. Got it. And I think that's a lot of people's stories. People left the farm, they thought that they would lose their connection to it, and now we're realizing we have to, to bring those connections back. So Steward was a way to give individuals a chance to invest invest in sustainable farms and help bring a local food system back that has you know more positive benefits than what we have now. How much sustainable farming is out there right now? It's really booming. It's the first growth in the past 100 years in the number of small farms in the U.S. So there's finally more small farmers and then more small farmers getting into regenerative agriculture. So it's the way that people are farming now, and they realize the way uh, – Conventional ag has done has been a big challenge. And what's driving it? I mean, is it is it sort of ultimate consumer demand? I mean, I think you're very familiar with the restaurant business. Yes. Obviously, that was part of your way into this. Right? That's how I learned about it. So I was developing property in Washington, D.C. We were leasing to a lot of young pioneering chefs. And then as I started meeting those chefs, I met some of the farmers they were sourcing from. And even if they were buying all the products from the farmer and the, the chef was serving and everyone loved it, those farmers couldn't get financing. And it just seemed like a big gap to me. The demand for their products is the highest it's ever been, but their access to capital is unchanged. And that's really what the gap that Steward fills, brings the individuals that are indirectly supporting these farms and getting them to actually make that direct investment. So let's be clear here. Um, Dan, talk to us a little bit about exactly what happens on a sustainable farm. Yes. So there's a few different elements to it. The first is that they're not buying pesticides or chemicals. They're None reusing the waste streams zero at all. They're reusing the waste streams. It's farming as if 200 years ago you didn't have the ability to right. purchase that stuff. How would you have farmed? You would mix livestock and animals and fertilizer and compost with farming. So the, the only thing these farms are really buying is seeds. So it means their expenses are very low. They have low overhead. They're just a few farmers, normally some seasonal labor. By not doing industrial scale, they have smaller equipment, smaller tools, so overhead's lower. And then one of the key attributes is they make direct sales to the end user. So they're not selling commodities. It's not high volume. They're getting a good margin for their product, and that's the business model of these small farms. What about their farms. yield, though? Is it smaller yield as well? The yield actually relates to the soil health. So yeah. if with better soil, there's better yield. Basically, it's, it underpins the economic activity. So the farmers, in terms of yield, they're paying on the loans that we're providing is 8 to 10%. But the growth we're seeing in these farms is two to three times growth in, in a year or two. The reality is they have so much demand to fulfill, but without capital, they can't get there. So they get stuck trying to finance their business on cash flow, and that's very hard. All right. So tell us about the money side of this. Who's making the investments? How do you get to them? How do they get to you? So if you go to gosteward.com, you can make an investment for as little as $100. We've created a vehicle. It's called the Steward Farm Trust. Anyone in the U.S. can invest in it. Uh, it funds loans across the whole portfolio of Steward Farms. 
or somebody can invest in an individual farm. So for the Steward Farm Trust, we project a 6% dividend, basically makes income from the portfolio farm loans and pays that out. And then for the individual farm, that's for someone who wants to support, let's say, an urban farm or Detroit cheese maker we're working with in Southern Oregon, that builds that direct connection. And that's been the point from the beginning. People need to reconnect with the land. They need to put their capital to these farmers. And I think as people have realized, these small sustainable farms are the ones having high quality food. They're helping with the soil and climate. They're the nexus of so many of these societal problems that if you don't get resources to them, it's going to be a challenge to solve. Can we do sustainable farming on a a grander scale? And I bring it up because I think about for Chipotle for years, right? Yes. I mean, their whole idea was trying to get food that didn't have tons of chemicals and would work with farmers and smaller farmers in, ster- in terms of you know the, the the meat they needed whatever they needed um, but it was hard I think sometimes to meet supply and I do wonder how much can we scale this up yes so it's the old system you know needing to meet a new model the centralized system of commerce you know industrial agriculture is basically designed after manufacturing huge volume of output exporting around and most of these restaurants are in the same way they have kind of a centralized system centralized purchasing that system does not work well with the distributed network of these farms you really need local sourcing you really need to be thoughtful about who you're buying from but one thing that steward is helping to do is by getting capital to these farms they can have more reliable supply they can have more product they can feed into the system so chipotle actually just started a program of now providing some financing to farms they work with because they realize without the farms having enough capital, they can't get the product to them. It's very much the Whole Foods method before, at least to Amazon. I don't know if they still do it, but I know years ago that they would help in some ways uh, an upstart company when they like the product, they would help them in terms of ramping up. And that's what the farmers we're working with. They've already been farming at least a few years. They've established a few products. They're selling to some restaurants and farmers markets. And now they need to take that next step. And that's where funding land, equipment, operational capital, but it's done as a mortgage loan. So it's secured lending with current return focused on regenerative agriculture. And so how do you sort of pick and choose who you're going to back here? We have a broad network of farms. We've had over 1,200 applications in the past year, you know, from all over the country. We have 16 farms we funded, you know, Oregon, Michigan, Louisiana, Pennsylvania, Arkansas, huge broad network of farms. They come to us through the web. 140 acres, according to your website, is that right? Across a handful of farms. Across the whole 16 farms is probably about uh, 800 acres. Oh, okay. Most of the farms, I would say, what defines a small, medium farm is a few hundred acres or less. Okay. But some of the urban farms in Detroit are on two or three acres, yeah. but there you can gross 80,000 an acre. You know, you're selling direct to a restaurant. It's really cool. I'm just looking at your website. It's Detroit. It's Michigan. It's Pennsylvania. It's Oregon. And, and you can go there and look at, you know, the farm itself. And that's, we've put video content together. A lot yeah. of investors reach out and say, can I do a farm tour? Right. Some of these farmers are building cabins on site. So it's about reconnecting, not just capital, but capital helps bring it. And no, I'm sorry. Go and on. you said, how do we find the farms? <laughs> Mainly digital marketing, which surprisingly works well because they're always on their mobile. They're always right. texting. They're always messaging customers. So we found digital advertising to work well. And the reality is there's no other lender that's focused on sustainable ag. So right. they come to us and it's like, oh, my God, you, you care about you what exist. I care about. You yeah. exist. And then it's like, are you sure you exist? You yeah, know, And exactly. then that's proving it out. Dan Miller is still with us, CEO of Steward. And, you know, Dan, as we got into this, we were talking about the, the restaurant business, which obviously is sort of an end user in all of this. Is this sort of, you know, farm to table, does it feel like a fad or does it feel like this is just where we're going? I believe it's where things are going, but it's grown so quickly that it looks like a fad. Yeah. But the reality is most food in the U.S., over 99% is not grown and consumed locally, and locally is defined as 250 miles. So we have a very, very long way to go. Over 99%? Yes. Pretty much all of it. It's a rounding error of what's actually grown and consumed in the region. And that Wait, wait. Say that again? 
That's a USDA stat. But 99% is, is not local not as local defined by grown and sold so within 1%. the region. So 1%. So not very little. Yeah. So, so it's just getting started. But I would say the thing that consumers need to do is they need to buy right from the farmer. Their dollars have to go directly to the farmer. Uh, in a lot of places, we've seen people buy you know, large amounts directly from the farmer. They even buy, let's say, a, a quarter cow and they store the cuts for six we've months. We've done that. Yeah. We've done yeah, it. It's so amazing. That, that's sweet. People need to realize their dollars need to get to the farmer. Right. The restaurant's helpful. I find the restaurant is the meeting point for people to learn about this food where they hear the story of the food. But it's also about taking their dollars further, not only funding the farm, but buying from the farm. I do wonder about urban farming, though. How does that fit into it? Is that because that doesn't seem to be such a big part of this? And but we've I, I do started want... with two farms in Detroit that were urban farms. Oh, so in a lot of industrial cities, there's a lot of excess land, and it needs to be utilized. And I think farming is a great way, way to use it. So we funded urban farms that are growing on the land. You know, they're growing on two or three acres in Detroit. They go, you know, a mile down the road and sell to the local restaurant. They harvest in the morning. People are eating that same day. Right. But we also farm, you know, have a 25-acre farm in southern Oregon that's two or three hours from the largest place. So the model works in rural and urban and different regions, and that's what it's all about, that we need to invest broadly across the country in these farms. You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week, also streaming live on YouTube. Dan Miller is still with us, the CEO of Steward, also the co-founder of Fundrise. He's based out in Portland, Oregon. He's here with us in New York City. Uh, thanks for hanging in with us, Dan. Um, so we've talked a lot about sort of what's going on with the farming community at the sustainable level. I mean, let's broaden it out a little bit because your background is in real estate finance. You also have a lot of experience via Fundrise in crowdfunding. Marry those two, sort of the, the crowdfunding and the and the real estate finance piece and help us understand where we are. So crowdfunding, the concept, it's used broadly, but it has a general and specific definition. So the general idea is using the internet to raise capital online. Obviously, the securities law that were written, was written in 30s and 40s didn't think <laughs> of the concept that. and anticipate that. <laughs> so, so most regulations prior to the Jobs Act in 2012 wouldn't allow broad online marketing. Right. At Fundrise, we were the first company to do real estate crowdfunding. We used old rules that have been on the books forever, and it costs you know, over half a million dollars to go through the SEC, get everything filed to raise capital for local real estate projects. Now there's been legislation that simplifies the process. So what Steward is using, what most platforms that call themselves crowdfunding platforms are using, are new rules that make it easier to raise capital online. Underneath that are then very specific exemptions people are using. I could go into that, but it's also not, not the most exciting thing for most audiences. All right, so it, it certainly increases access to capital, right, for many. What does it do for the democratization of investing? And I do think about people being able to access this. Yes, so that, that's you know close to my heart. For, for Steward, the minimum investment is $100, and that's the goal that anyone who wants to engage with regenerative agriculture can make an investment at that level. They can earn returns, but it also is about tying people to the connection. So for me, the value of crowdfunding isn't just making investments more broadly available. It's changing what type of investments people can consume. Right. And farming is one where people have a connection to food. They want to build those connections to agriculture, but traditionally it's not available. And now you're telling a narrative online, and that's how you can engage people to invest and in do, it. And is it the investors typically invest in a farm in their community? Like, I'm just curious about some of the demographics of so your investors. We're about to roll out uh, intrastate crowdfunding, which is an, another exemption that allows you to raise capital from investors within a state if the business is from that state. It goes wow. back to the Commerce Clause of the Constitution. Basically, it's exempt from federal. Wow federal jurisdiction and we're going to try that first in oregon so any oregon resident will be able to invest in local oregon farms local capital local food i think that's how you have to rebuild these systems so the funding 
has matched the centralized kind of large industrial system we've built. If you want to now bring investment back to small medium enterprises, which is the, the group that need capital, right. you have to have the funding happen at a smaller scale at a local level. So if I were to put this conversation in sort of the broader context of a lot of the stuff we do, it feels like people are being more deliberate in a lot of ways about where they put their money, uh, both in terms of where they invest, but also what they buy. I think about our growing aversion to say fast fashion, which feels a lot like what we think about when we think about where we source our food. Why do you think that's happening uh, right now? What is this a reaction to? I think people realize that the system as designed today has huge faults and right now it's pure profit, pure dollars, and it's meant for large organizations and companies who have been able to get away with behavior that has had negative impacts. You know, the negative externalities of their business isn't priced in and they just ignore it. And people are realizing you have to be more cognizant of that. So what we try to do, and I think what a lot of these new platforms are doing is broaden what people can invest in, but also change the tune of it. When you have an individual investing in one of these farms, they're investing for a return. They hope to make let's say, 8 or 10%. Right. They're also investing because they might buy food from that farmer or maybe they'd like to visit it or they see that he's sequestering carbon and they care about climate change. When an individual is doing it, there's values linked with return. The, the financial system we have now is just return. Yeah. And so it's about bringing values into investment. And that's where these new rules around crowdfunding allow more alternatives. Previously, you just have huge public companies and the bond market right. and nothing else. And now it's about opening up private businesses, which is most of the businesses to actually raising capital. Yeah, and it certainly fits in, I feel like, to some extent with the ESG wave that's going on. Like, you really know sure. your investment, and if you can c care about something like food production and sustainable farming, you can do it directly, right? And that's what we found, that most of those investors don't actually have product. They're just buying kind of like public companies, which at the end of the day isn't maybe having the impact. Here they can choose an individual farm or portfolio of regenerative farms, yeah. and, and you see that tangible direct impact. I want to go back to something you said about encouraging people to sort of buy directly from the farm. Are there mechanisms in place to, to do that? I mean, like when we bought our like cow share, we actually yeah. you know, split it with my brother-in-law. We went to the Delaware County Fair in, De in Delaware County, New York, and like, you know, went to the auction, bid on the cow. We named her Betty Draper. Oh. Uh, her oh. name was Betty. Um, you know, we had her butchered and, and all of those things. But Betty. like that requires a, a fairly serious investment of time and energy. Is that just the way it is, or are there so going to be mechanisms in place to ease that? What we're also helping at Steward, we're helping farmers with services, we're helping with bookkeeping, we're helping with online marketing, mm -hmm. order management. We're making it easier so that you as a consumer can purchase from them manage the delivery and all of those elements. So we're not doing it for them. We're just putting tools together and, and providing services. So uh, from most of these farms, you now would be able to go to their website, decide if you want to invest, or maybe you want to purchase some products and it'll be that easy. So what's next? you got 30 seconds. <laughs> what's your elevator pitch? We've had pitch? <laughs> thousands of farms apply. We have had investors every day come through. I mean, I think the scale of this is that we're hoping to have millions of farms and millions of investors on this platform, but all promoting regenerative agriculture, all helping benefit the climate you know, communities, soil, the all the aspects that are core to people's well-being that they need to invest in. Well, it's interesting. I mean, clearly yeah. you have some big tailwinds uh, behind you in a very positive way. Dan Miller, what a treat for us. Chief Executive Officer right. of Steward, uh, also the co-founder of Fundrise. Really, I think, helping us think differently in many ways about how we source food. We're going to buy another cow. That's I feel it. like things are going back to the way they used to be in terms of farming yeah. and buying from, you know, close to the farms and even investing in your communities. I yeah. feel like we're, you know, trying to go back to that micro scale and that's what we're seeing.